Hello and welcome back to Speedrun, the fast talking video game podcast where I am feeling the mood for more Dreamcast. Jazzy, how about you? You didn't do the intro. Hi, I'm Jazzy. Hi. And joining us once again is the one and only Adam. Yeah, I'm still here. They they kept me around. Thanks. I appreciate it. I was going to say, we talked last episode. Adam doesn't want the one and only. He wants the, the mediocre intro. That's so how right. are you going to I, introduce I want the, in a mediocre? I, get, I want the... This SNL host was the the mediocre one that we could only bring in because they're pro- plugging a movie or something level like not that we actually wanted them. We just kind of needed somebody this week. That's what I am. That's what I want you to the think of me The one and only John C. Riley. There you go. He's available. <laughs> yeah. He lives nearby. <laughs> bring him in. <laughs> so welcome back to Speedrun. We met this one cool guy while in a socially distanced bar playing Dreamcast in the corner on a diver Dreamcast. Uh, what's his name? Um, Jonathan Adam Korolek. There he is. There he is. So today Alrighty. we're talking about a subject very near and dear to my heart. If only because it's, it's uh, and by near and dear to my heart, I mean it's a mild obsession. I should probably seek help. And that is Dreamcast Homebrew. So diving right into it, starting a timer. Adam, you've covered this rather extensively. I feel like most times whenever there's a major uh, new homebrew release, you will cover this on your channel. Yep, absolutely. Although I do it with but, some parameters, but yeah. For example, no, you know, it has to be a proper disc-based release, not just a, a burned, no, not just a burned disc, right? Right. So uh, let me break that down into three little categories, because the independent Dreamcast scene has people who make games, and then they're just like, here, I made a game, and it's fun, I'll release the file digitally. There's like a bajillion of those. Um, I don't cover those because it's just, you have to draw the line somewhere. Otherwise, you'd be making videos all day about, like, tiny little indie games that no one else has heard of. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you have, like, the second tier where there's people who do that, but they also take the time to be like, I want to put it on a disc and publish it, but I don't have the money and no publisher picked it up, so I'm going to burn it on a CDR. Maybe I'll make some home art on my printer or whatever and then try to sell it that way. I admire that to the extent of, like, hey, you tried, but... I can't, you gotta draw the line because I, I, you're just basically a CDR. Like, I could have burned your game and done that myself. And I feel like that's, you know, just there has to be a border somewhere. So then the next step up is like when they have pressed, you know, uh, discs made in factories, usually in Germany. Um, and then they get like full on artwork and covers and they're, you know, sealed in cellophane wrap and sold in stores. Those I will cover. And ba- basically, if I remember right, I think you've explained this on your channel before, but with Dreamcast Homebrew, after around 07 or so, Sega basically gave it their blessing? Um, uh, not exactly. Um, here, do you want me to just do the elevator pitch history for this? Yes. Please. Okay, so the Dreamcast uh, had three abilities. to. It could read three different disc formats. One would be the actual Dreamcast games, which were called GD-ROMs. One is music CDs which were a version of CD-ROMs, and then it had this third thing that was basically never really used called Mil-CD, which was basically a music CD with an extra line of data in it that was mostly intended for, like, Japanese karaoke purposes. It wasn't really... So, like, you could buy a music CD that would have this, and you'd get, like, extra visualizations. Like, there was really nothing else uh, intended for it. Um, However, Mm -hmm. eventually people realized, well, you can't 
rip normal Dreamcast games. You can't burn normal Dreamcast games. But what if you what you can do is if you hack your console well enough, you can at least extract the data. Once you have the data on a computer, you can kind of reconfigure it and force it to play through the mill CD exploit. Um, it's that's a very long story, but that's the short version. Uh, so once they did that, they realized like, oh, you can actually make entire games built around this exploit. And so that's essentially what happens now. The thing with Sega, though, is that they don't really care. Like, uh, they their official position is basically like, you know, we don't see what's happening over there. I can tell you unofficially they think it's awesome, um, but they can't mm -hmm. have anything to do with it. Uh, the final official Dreamcast release was in 2007. It's a game called Karos, or Crows is the rough translation. It's a shoot-em-up game. Um, but the indie scene that first started publishing discs uh, started all the way in 2003 with a game called Feet of Fury, uh, which was basically like a, a, a it's, it sounds disingenuous to call it a DDR clone, but that's kind of what it was. Uh, it supported the it, Dreamcast. It yeah, it supported the Dreamcast dance mat. And it was, you know, uh, the exact right type of game at that time because DDR was so popular. Uh, and the Dreamcast did have two DDR games, but they were Japan only. So anyway, it, it started there and then more and more people were getting on board with this because you essentially had an open platform that was easy to develop for that was common enough that people actually owned Dreamcasts. Discs are cheap to produce, uh, you know, not only from a production standpoint, but also just like the logistics of actually getting a disc pressed and like put onto a store shelf somewhere. And of course, ultimately, the parent company, Sega, didn't care. They weren't trying to stop you. They weren't trying to take a cut of your royalties. They just didn't want anything to do with it. They were like, you're on your own. Have fun. Um, so that kind of the, that combination of factors really led to the birth of the Dreamcast indie scene, coupled with the fact that um, my buddy Shane Rerez TV, he's another YouTuber, he always kind of says it best. He says the thing with the Dreamcast, the people, the reason people love it is because it died in its prime. Most consoles die because they're bad. The Dreamcast died when it was amazing and no one could understand why. The simple answer is economics. So the the what happens to people there is they grew up with it and they're like, I want to see more Dreamcast games. Well, OK, I'll just make them. Uh, and then I can because, you know, uh, nobody's going to stop me. And I, I think that all those factors together have really led to the Dreamcast indie scene as we know it now. And what, what, actually, it's really interesting you mentioned Feet of Fury because a uh, personal tangent on that. That's the, the one actual uh, physical Dreamcast homebrew game I own. And uh, I randomly was at a, a game store here in, in B.C., and uh, they had a sealed copy that had somehow just been sitting around for a while. I don't know how they got it. They don't. Oh, I can tell you. Homebrew games. I can tell you exactly how they got it. Um, that first, oh. yeah, that that first game, Feet of Fury, uh, it wasn't like the rest of the indie releases we know now, where like it's basically only sold online, and it's just kind of like we're gonna make you know a thousand copies, and whoever wants them comes get come and get it. Um, Feet of Fury coming out was a really big deal when it happened because you have to remember at that time the Dreamcast was still technically active in Japan and so people were like wait a minute there's gonna be a new Dreamcast game coming out in North America so actual retailers like mom and pop shops especially were actually buying copies in mass to sell because they thought this was gonna be a big deal and I, I, I know this happened here too like I went into various uh, you know like disc replays which are like used music CD stores and I went into used game stores and they all were selling that game sealed 
Um, that's the one time that ever happened because it did not sell to that extent, and that's why you never saw that happen again. Mm-hmm. But uh, I that, that I guess that does make sense, especially because back in 03, I know that internet... I mean, it was getting more widespread, but was, it wasn't nearly as widespread as it is today. You have to remember but at that I, point, I, I they don't... were only one year out from the Dreamcast being discontinued in North America. So it, it was mm-hmm. a very different ecosystem. Right. Anyway, I'm sorry. That's I didn't a, mean that... to cut you off. Oh, it's no, not no, good. No, no, you're okay. The, yeah, you're you're good. That that one's interesting as well, though, because uh, you can use the Dreamcast keyboard on it. I I, I definitely wanna, I definitely wanna actually you know try it out for myself sometime. Uh, my own copy, I should say. But again, it's sealed, and I don't know if I should open it at this point. <laughs> it's it's not a valuable right. game. Like you can still pick up like sealed copies of that game for like five bucks. Like I've seen them as recently as just a couple of years ago at conventions. It's just a matter of finding it now. But um, right. it's a, it's a fun game. If you like DDR, it's it's cool. But you know, if you, you just want to keep it just to keep it, do it. But I I, I can almost guarantee you could find another copy online. It now, was the another... most widely published one they ever made. The one that uh, the one that's definitely circulated the most, you know, that's, you know, it's 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 a common. Yeah, amongst the indies, yes. When it comes to um, the indies and development and everything, um, do you know anything about like the specific uh, tools or software or hardware or programming languages or anything that goes into making? Uh, these releases so outside of the distribution side of it the actual like production side of it uh not uh, not a ton i know originally they were like feet of fury example used Callisto. i think it was Callisto os but i'm not an engineer nor am i a programmer um it, it's these days it's become more of a case-by-case basis like uh you know they have their own specific indie tools for what they do some of them are just uh like emulated actually like a lot of the neo geo ports that we're getting from josh prod are straight up uh they're uh the neo for all emulator built by chewy i think is his name c-u-c-h-u-i and he takes that Mm -hmm. and adds the neo geo cd game to it and then optimizes it specifically for that game um with Mm -hmm. the consent of the parent company who actually owns the game and that's how some of those come to exist but you'd have to ask literally someone like chewy c-h-u-i if you can find him interview him no one on this planet knows more about modern dreamcast engineering development than that guy i think that's an episode idea right there jamie i think that is an episode idea now one thing i think uh, and I know you've touched on this as well, is that for a long while, uh, the Dreamcast had got kind of this reputation as, oh, that's the schmuck platform. Yes. Yeah, that was, uh, a, that was a thing for quite some time. What do you think kind of, what do you think kind of led to that? And don't, uh, what, what do you think finally has made it shift away from that in recent years? Has that purely just been because uh, of the growth in new 3d dreamcast releases in the last few years that's been moving away from that um i would say it was a combination of factors like you have to remember as i said even though feet of fury came out in 03 you were still getting officially licensed sega releases up until 2007 but almost every single one that came out was some sort of shoot 'em up um because i mean you'd have to ask them exactly why that was but i would assume it was mostly because shoot 'em ups are relatively easy to make and they're relatively low demand from both an engineering and marketing mm-hmm. standpoint um and the same let's say bad habit 
carried over to the indie scene. Uh, so you were getting a lot of, and I, I think the game that finally broke it for everybody was Ducks, um, and how many times that got re-released. There was Ducks 1.0, there was Ducks 1.5, then there was Ducks 1.1, then there was Redux, and then there was Redux 1.1. And it, it, it's like five releases of the same game over the for course of just a couple of years. Um, right. And then a lot of the indie stuff initially was shoot 'em ups And it became like this joke that the only thing you ever got on the Dreamcast was shoot 'em ups And then they kind of stopped selling because people were like, I've got enough of these. Do something else. And you can kind of, I think, I'd have to double check on this, but I think you can kind of thank Josh Prod for that, because he started to be like, you know what, I don't want to publish shoot 'em ups and he started just publishing like totally other random things. Um, I mean, he was the one who brought like the first racing game over, other than Rush Rush Rally Racing. You know, he brought 4x4 Jam over, and I know he just got the project um, Arcade Racing Legends completed and brought that out. I mean, that guy is kind of the MVP. He's the GOAT. He's the Jordan of, uh, you know, releasing indies for the Dreamcast now. But, uh, and even he, like, they'll do a couple of shoot 'em ups here and there, like Battlecrust or whatever, but they don't do them very much anymore because that, that market's kind of saturated. I think that there's still some space there, which is why he's doing, like, another one or two, but you have to roll it out with more variety. And that was the problem for the Dreamcast indie scene was for, like, a decade every game was a shoot 'em up with i think really the exception of like rush rush rally racing and like gun lord and like that was it it and it was it was kind of insane and what what i i think's important to note as well is as you said earlier you know with most of these games as well uh for 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 a lot of them these were you know these weren't games that were were getting big releases either these were for the most part, all very limited releases. Yes, absolutely. Um, it, yeah, so, like, it, it, that's the other thing that's kind of bizarre about them is that uh, sometimes the game would be intended for the Dreamcast from the get-go, which I always find, like, Feet of Fury, again, we keep citing, but, like, mm -hmm. that game was built from the ground up just for that console. And you had a few uh, oddball examples of that throughout history, um, but you also had a lot of games that were just kind of ported over uh, even though they were coming to other platforms because the Dreamcast is easy to work with and they know it's basically free money mm -hmm. um, provided you can do it on the cheap. Um, but, you know, I mean, I don't know where you want to go with this specifically, but, I mean, eventually that evolves into the the brick wall, if you will, of hitting that when you get to games like Xeno, uh, Xenocider, where uh, these guys were very ambitious. They wanted to make a new 3D Dreamcast game and they tried to raise a bunch of money to do it, but the money just doesn't exist for that. So rather than get the game done right. in two years, they did it on their own time, and it took like seven years. Um, but they got it done. Uh, but, you know, even though they claim it's a Dreamcast indie because it was built for the Dreamcast from the ground up, you do have to wonder, like, how long until they're like, okay, well, we can also release this on other platforms and just get more money out of this, which I absolutely think they should. No, absolutely. Uh but I guess the one thing I do want to get from that is despite, you know, the reputation it had as a smop machine and, and despite everything, I, you know, there, I think it's fair to say that there's a lot of great stuff out for it now, you know, especially, and I do mean a lot comparatively speaking, because I remember running some numbers for, for a thing I did a while back and the Dreamcast has seen more titles for it uh, per year over the past few years than the Wii U. That is correct, yeah. 
Um, Which, I mean, I know the Wii U didn't sell well either, but it's still a new-ish console. Yeah, the Wii U only sold like half a million units more than the Dreamcast did, ultimately. Um, mm -hmm. But to be fair, I mean, Nintendo had to approve of Wii U titles and publish them themselves. That's the advantage the Dreamcast has. It doesn't answer to anybody. Uh, anybody, anybody with an operational computer who feels like programming a game can do it. Then they can take that game to someone like uh, Josh Prod, and if he likes the game, he will publish it. He will put it on discs. He will have it made in factories in Germany. It's always Germany, I'm telling you. And then they will be pressed, and they will be sent out to the world to be bought. Anybody who's motivated enough can do that. Um, that's the advantage it has. But, and of course, that's the timer, but I do have one last point I'd like to touch on, because we've talked about games like Ducks and Feet of Fury and 4x4 Racing. Real quick, what are what would you say are some of the absolute best homebrew titles out on the Dreamcast right now? Uh, like anything that depends on your taste, I think some of my favorites would be Sturmwind, which is a shoot 'em up but I think it's the best one the indie scene ever produced. Um, I think the Volgar, the Viking conversion was fantastic, if you like that game. Mm. Uh, Xeno mm -hmm. Cider is very good. Xeno Crisis is also very good. Two very different games made by different studios. Um, it's just kind of funny. We had two Xeno games like within six months of each other. I think Arcade Racing Legends, if you like racing games, is probably fantastic. Um, it's a 3D racing game. Rush Rush Rally Reloaded. Uh, the upgraded definitive edition, if you will, of that game is good if you like those old Micro Machines games on like the Genesis or the Mega Drive, specifically if you're the UK. Not I know all of Europe had the Mega Drive, but the UK was where people really cared about those Micro Machines games. Um, mm -hmm. And then uh, Gunlord. Gunlord is also an absolutely fantastic game. If you like 2D type of platformers or whatever, like I said, you know, you do have Volgar the Viking. Alice's Mom's Rescue is also a very good one, but it doesn't get much credit because it just looks very simplistic, but it is a lot of fun. Um, there's a couple of RPGs if you like those. There's Pure Solar, which again, Chewy actually is the guy who converted that from the Watermelon Genesis version. Uh, that's fantastic if you like those types of games. The other one is Zia and the Goddess of Magic, which actually, I'm an NPC in that game. Um, oh, hell ooh. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if you like that, you know, that's that's a thing. So th off the top of my head, I'm not looking at any of these in front of me, so I don't have them all. I mean, I'm sure I'll think of one and be like, oh, why didn't I mention that? But uh, those would be some of the highlights, again, depending on your uh, genre tastes. No, absolutely. And just I, I think it's fair to say that, you know, it's a scene that, it, you know, there, there's just more more games are just going to keep on coming, right? Yeah, and I mean, I know it's not exactly the indie stuff, but I assume you guys have followed all that Atomus Wave conversion stuff? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did, have you talked to the audience about that before? Uh, we haven't had a... We haven't... Uh, sorry, That's a perfect you, time. Did you cut out for a sec? Adam? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, oh sorry, there you boys. are. There you are. Sorry, you cut out for a sec? Oh, I'm sorry. What was the last thing you heard me say? Uh, have you talked about, and then you cut out, as like, to the audience? Oh, I said, can you have talked to your audience about the Atomus Wave conversions? Yeah, alright, so the Atomus Wave was, uh, like, just talk about the Atomus Wave conversion right now? If you want to, I'm just asking, you, know, you can do whatever you want, it's your show. <laughs> yeah, so basically, uh, the Atomus Wave conversions, if, if I understand it right, the Atomus Wave was a system of... It was basically an arcade system, uh, kind of a cartridge-based-esque one. It followed, uh, it was by Sammy, and 
there weren't a ton of titles for it, but I know one of the, uh, I think one of the Metal Slug games was on it, for example. Mm -hmm. But some of those games are actually being converted to be playable on the Dreamcast, and, and that's the, the gist of it, basically, right? Yeah, essentially, the 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 Thomas Wave boards is just a Dreamcast with a cartridge slot instead of a disk drive. That's really all it is. Um, so this guy named Megavolt figured out how to relatively... It's not even fair to call them conversions. He's basically just kind of slightly rewriting stuff, and then it becomes functional because it's just a Dreamcast. The uh, And so, like you said, you know, there's like 30-odd games that were ever released for it. There was a couple of unreleased games that have leaked online. And so this dude's just kind of meticulously working on it. And he's got most of them converted. Um, the only issue with them is they were built with the idea of a the data speed of a, uh, a cartridge port as opposed to a disk drive. So it works incredibly mm -hmm. well with things like the mode or to a lesser extent the GDMU. Most of them will not function if you like say want to burn a disk of it. So that's it's you know a, a kind of a catch-22 because I, I of course would love to have physical discs of all these things. I'd love for somehow Josh Prod to get the rights and be like, all right, we're gonna make Metal Slug Six for the Dreamcast and make it officially released. But the problem is it may not even run correctly because it wasn't meant to run at that low of a load speed. So in the meantime, all I'm saying is there's now a ton of new Dreamcast games that are all like very very legit titles that are all available again if you have something like the mode. And again, that that's just so that, that that's incredible. And again, uh, some you you mentioned the the mode and whatnot, uh, and that again, so I, you're 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 the the Dreamcast expert here, and I'm I'm still very much so learning. Uh, but that's <laughs> the the thing that lets you use SD on it. Um, so the mode is what is called uh, it, the multi optical disc emulator, and ODE stands for optical disc emulator. It's essentially the idea that you take the disk drive out of the console and replicate it with something that takes physical um, uh, storage mediums like flash drives through a USB port, SD cards through an SD card slot, or uh, a hard drive through that uh, hard drive port. Uh, so when you do that, it essentially has a little bit of additional software on there so that the console recognizes the device. And then from there, you can basically store all your games on it and have it run off of that. Um, the benefit is, you know, it's essentially you have an all digital platform at that point, and so you get like better load times out of it and all that sort of stuff, and just the convenience of it. Um, for me, it's great because I have the actual collection. I've ripped all those discs myself, so I'm putting my own discs onto the the hard drive within the console. But I can leave my collection alone, alone, and still play the games. But now I can play them with, you know, better read speeds and so on and so forth. Like uh, Jamie, if you're familiar at all with the X Station for the PS One, that is a very similar idea. Oh, okay, okay. I think on yeah, or like that, an EverDrive. Incredible. Have you ever seen like an EverDrive? Or like an EverDrive. Oh yeah, yeah like like an okay. So yeah, it's essentially yeah, like an EverDrive for the Dreamcast. Okay, now that's incredible, and that's intense, and that's. Oh goodness, that's something that might even be worth another episode sometime, uh, especially if I can uh, look more into this and maybe get my hands on something like that. I've done a video. Feel free to watch. <laughs> there is. Yes, there you, you go. You have. I remember you have done a video, and I have a YouTube backlog, admittedly. For now, but. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's a funny thing about when you make YouTube videos and you mention like something like that. People are like, I swear I'm gonna watch it. I promise. Like, no, it's fine. <laughs> like, nobody's sitting here being like, you have to watch my video, otherwise you're disloyal. I don't care. Do whatever you want no, to do. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like it's like the YouTube mafia. You know, you got you gotta watch you gotta watch the vid or you know. Uh, have you watched the video? 
Are you going to be in trouble if you don't work? <laughs> 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 Got to watch the video. Someone's going to get their kneecaps you know, broken. Somebody's, somebody's gonna, knees are going to get busted if they don't watch my video. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Jamie, it's like when I released the Club Penguin video, people are like, I'm going to watch it. I haven't watched it. And I'm just like, please don't. It's not great. I mean, I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> it's something. I enjoyed it. We should it. Uh, wrap it up, shall we? Yes. Adam, once again, thank you so much for coming on and talking Dreamcast and homebrew. And I'll listen to, listen to me ramble. Yeah, no problem. Now please go watch all my videos so we don't have a problem. I don't want us to be having a problem. You know what I'm saying? Please don't hurt my family. Well, then watch my right away, Don family Corlick. might be okay. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you so much once again. Yes. Once again, where can people find you online? Uh, Adam Corlick, uh, my name. You can find me on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Patreon, Discord. I'm all over the place. Excellent. And seriously, check Adam out, whether you're into video game console cleaning restoration videos or uh, literally the only pickup videos I actually enjoy watching on YouTube right now. Fun fact. Or it's true. Thank you. Yeah. Or really, if you want one of the best complete resources on uh, one of the things I think is a lot of people sleep on is absolutely your video game console generation recap series, I think is especially fantastic. Thank you. I routinely binge it. I appreciate that. Yeah, how odd is it when you get you go from like the older ones and then like I find a newer console and then you have to like they kind of fit in between. Have you ever done that? Do you know what I'm talking about? I know. Yeah, you're we talking have to like about... squeeze it in as like a point five episode. Yeah. How does that feel like actually watching it as a playlist? Because I don't do that, so I don't know how like bizarre it feels. Honest... You know, one thing um, that I've like really loved about your channel is that it's so consistent. Uh, with like same set and vibe, but with higher production. So really the yeah. only difference is just like, oh, this video is newer and with better production and gear and experience and all that stuff. So there's not really like a huge like lurch when you go from watching the older episodes and then all of a sudden there's a newer one. It's good. The, yeah, and the thing as well is, is if I'm watching in a playlist, whenever you do like a 0.5 episode or I think you've even had to do like a 0.7 or 0.8 at times. Mm-hmm. You always acknowledge that in the video itself, like at the beginning and end, which leads to it actually, to, to me at least, flowing really well. Like it Good, flows that was really well with the yeah. playlist. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, because mm -hmm. I've never actually got that feedback before, so it's good to know. Yeah, because... Uh, again, yeah. like if, if you just done it and like not acknowledged it, it probably would have stuck out. I would have been like, did he use like a different camera for this one or something? But but again, you you acknowledge it, and it makes it very uh, very bingeable. Cool, cool. Thank you. Very bingeable. Yes. So, Jamie, where can people find you and I? Well, people can find us. At Stuff We Play, youtube.com slash Stuff We Play, because Speedrun is part of Stuff We Play. And you can listen to Speedrun itself on uh, speedrun.podbean.com. <laughs> so I had to look it up. I want to say you hesitated there. Yeah, speedrun.podbean.com or uh, on Apple Podcasts or the Podbean app or Spotify or any other major podcast app at Speedrun. You can also find Stuff We Play, me on Twitter. Uh, at Stuff We Play, or message me directly at jamie at stuffweplay.com with podcast ideas or uh, 
also to jazzy at jazzy at stuff we play.com. I don't know why I'm suddenly also uh, scatterbrained and stuff. I think I think that I think it's just the the I think that's just the impact that having your kneecaps broken over YouTube does. Yeah, you better get your shit together. I don't want to have to come out on damn kneecaps. I'm very lazy. No, now, before Don Coriolis like, claps you in the shins again, what I'm saying. Who are we sponsored I by? First, I forgot to watch the Don's videos, and I stole his meatball recipe. So, so oh, that's, that's not good. You don't want to be doing that. But <laughs> speedrun is brought to you in part by Podbean. Podbean. Podbean hosts our podcast and puts it out on all the different platforms. And if you would like some paid hosting of your own, then go to to podbean.com slash speedrun or use the code speedrun at checkout to help us get stuff done, get that production value up. Uh, also support us via Patreon, patreon.com slash stuff we play. And Jazzy, this podcast was edited by you. Excellent. So of that, Adam, once again, thank you tons for coming on. Thank you for having me. Don't make a mistake. Don't of course. Mistake. <laughs> we don't want to have course. a problem. That's all I'm saying. We just don't want to have no problems. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh, oh my. Oh, they. <laughs> Alright, Jamie. Oh. Take us home. Alright. I've been Jamie. I've been Jazzy. And, and thank I'm you sorry. very much for listening. <laughs> huh? No, you're okay. No, you're all good. I was about to say thank you. No, no, no. Thank you. (laughs) You are welcome. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Yeah, no problem. And thank you all very much for listening. Stay classy, and I'll see you next time. You'll be sleeping with the fishes. That's right. We're going to get to some concrete (laughs) galoshes.